It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, April 9th, 2015. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is out of town preaching in Ohio tonight, and I've got some uh, able guest here to take his spot across the table from me. Monty Overton is here. Hello, Monty. Hello, Jacobs. Good to see you tonight. Good to be with you, and thank you for coming. And to my right, uh, Jeff Vernon is back. He was here last week. He's here again this week. Hello, Jeff. Hello. Glad to be here. Thank you for coming tonight. And behind the controls, well, it might be a little bit scary tonight. We've got Caleb Tidwell, first time behind there, and so far, so good. Thank you for coming, Caleb. We'll look forward to uh, your help tonight. Thank you for coming. Uh, we, and there he is on the cam, too. That's good. All right, good. You're learning fast, and that's good. Tonight we want to talk about uh, a topic that has been in the news and uh, a lot of discussion, uh, a lot of concern in our society today about religious freedom. Uh, Indiana recently uh, tried to pass a law that would uh, help uh, prevent people from having to violate their conscience, in, uh, specifically in serving homosexuals and, and perhaps in the in a same-sex marriage where uh, someone might be forced to provide services uh, to an event that they would disagree with. And so they pa- they tried to pass this law. Uh, they did pass it, and then the outrage came, and uh, businesses, corporations around the country, uh, and uh, and other organizations around the country began their assault, and, uh, and Indiana was forced to um, – well, they weren't forced to, but they did yield – uh, to the pressures, and uh, and they rescinded a good portion of that law. Bob is in Indiana. He responded to our emails today, said that the law now specifically says you can't discriminate against gays and lesbians, effectively making them a protected class like women uh, or different races or creeds, et cetera. So now instead of having no law either way, it specifically says that you have to perform services to them unless the services are being requested of a church a pastor, or a few other exceptions. Uh, there's no exceptions, he says, for pizza shops or bakeries. And uh, there was a pizza shop up in Indiana. I believe it was the Memories Pizza Shop, who when the law came out, uh, that you could, the, the law stood for about a week. And uh, when it came out, the pizza shop said that they weren't going to serve homosexuals. And uh, and then the outlash came against them. And, and there were threats, I think, against that establishment. They had to shut the doors, uh, and in the meantime, they they gained uh, about 800,000 in, denomin- uh, in uh, donations that people had uh, given to that shop for the pressure that they had to deal with. So uh, a lot of, uh, of things going on in Indiana uh, about this law, but it has sparked the discussion of where do we stand in our country on religious freedom, and it has caused some concern on where do we see things going as far as religious persecution. Could we be beginning to see heightened persecution 
of believers today. And so we want to talk about that on the program tonight. We'll look forward to your comments at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And earlier today, we sent some questions, and we'd like your comments as well. You can sign in the chat room and comment with other listeners there. Uh, we ask, uh, concerning the recent controversy regarding Indiana's religious freedom law, if you were a business owner in Indiana, what guidelines would you use in determining whether or not you would provide service to, to same-sex couples? Uh, specifically, uh, address the question that our listener Travis, and Travis is in the chat room tonight. Travis suggested this question earlier this week. He says, do you believe there's a biblical authority to refuse to serve a cake or cater a wedding of a gay couple? It's an interesting question. And it may not be quite as cut and dry as you might think, or maybe it is. Let us know your thoughts. If you were a business owner, that's the first one question we're going to deal with. So jump in the chat room and let us know. If you, let's, let's take Travis's question just as it is. If you owned a business in Indiana, you're a cake decorator, a same-sex couple comes to you and says, we want a cake for our wedding, would you sell them one? Or if you're a caterer in Indiana and they said, listen, we've got this reception coming for our same-sex marriage, will you cater that event? Would you do that? Or just in general, if you're a business owner in Indiana, where do you draw that line? The, the Memories Pizza Shop said, we're not going to serve homosexuals, period. You can't come into our restaurant. We're not serving you. Is that acceptable? Would you do that? Is that the way you should handle it? What should you do? That's the first question. Uh, the second question is, to what extent should we expect persecution for our beliefs? Uh, sh- uh, is it reasonable to assume that we're going to be persecuted for, for what we believe and uh, who we serve? And number four, or number three, what are some important things to remember that can help us to prepare for persecution? I think we've got some things that we can look at from the scriptures. I uh, got a good email from Kyle uh, today on some things that he uses to, to remind himself of things that we need to prepare for uh, that I remember as we prepare for, for persecution. And number four, are there any benefits to enduring persecution? It may seem like uh, somewhat of an oxymoron to say that there could be benefits from persecution, but I think we'll see from the scriptures that there are benefits. And so we'll talk about those on the program tonight. Let us know your thoughts again, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Let us know your thoughts in the chat room tonight. Sign in there. And we're glad that you um, uh, are here tonight. We'll look forward to your comments on this important subject. Well, Monty, um, if you're a business owner in Indiana, are you a good cake decorator? I'm an awesome cake decorator. I'm sure that I am. I've never done it, you're but I'm sure cake, I'm good at it. You're a cake eater. I can eat them good, yeah, so yeah. I ought to be good at decorating. <laughs> That's right. Uh, are you going to uh, Are you going to sell a cake to the same sex couple for their wedding? Well, I don't see. First off, I don't see anything wrong with doing business with them. I think it's probably reasonable to expect that in the New Testament, business owners probably did business with lots of different people. Uh, if I was going to just outright say, no, I'm not going to do any business with a homosexual type couple, well, then maybe I would, in order to be consistent, I would probably need to say that I'm not going to do any business with anybody that doesn't believe what I believe. Yeah. So, uh, so, and I don't think we're going to go well, that far. What about the what about the couple who's in an unscriptural marriage, a heterosexual couple in an unscriptural marriage? That's what I'm saying. Or, if I'm going to draw the line for the homosexual, that's a sin. They're not supposed to be doing that according to the New Testament. Uh, the unscriptural marriage, 
what, even though it's a heterosexual couple, that's a sin too. Am I going to say, well, I won't do a cake for them either? Uh, there's lots of, I think we've got to try to be consistent in whatever conclusion we come to and not take a position that's really untenable. All right, Mark in the chat room asked a question. Let's answer this first. He says, does the scripture command that we refrain from serving them a cake? What do you think about that? Scripture doesn't mention serving anybody a cake. Period. But so. I mean, by their principles that uh, that would uh, that would determine whether or not I I well as you mentioned you called it do business with them. Yeah. Mark says serve them a piece of cake. What are the principles here? With, uh, again, not going to be in specific terms. Thou shalt not yeah. serve a cake to a same sex uh, couple. But what 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 are the rules? Well, or what are the uh, what are the principles? We can I think by? we could come to the conclusion that Paul talked about withdrawing from people, and he says talked about not having. Uh, association with people that were living in sin that way. But he said not the people of the world because otherwise we'd have to leave the world completely because the world's full of sinful people. But he's talking about specifically withdrawing ourselves from people that are supposed to be Christians but are not acting that way. All right. So, Jeff, your thoughts? That passage, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, um, um, it, it says, um, for what I have to do with you, um, I'm sorry, I was in the wrong place. Down around verse 9. Yes. I wrote, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers and idolatry, idolaters, for then you would have to go out <clears throat> out of the world. Okay. So I, I think it's important, as uh, Mr. Money was understanding, um, we're supposed to be in the world. Uh, uh, we're not we're, – we, we're supposed to be in the world but not of the world. Okay. We're, we have the idea to be an example – um, and uh, and even in First Peter chapter four, it says um, it's supposed to be strange that we were not with them. So there is a balance here. Okay. But um, that's what we're trying to find out right now. Okay. Is, All right. Okay. Is, and, my, and my father's signed in from Ohio. Uh, he must be. He must have had a short sermon tonight. <laughs> <laughs> he's on. He's online. Glad that you're here. Um, he says, uh, "Seems like you'd have to decide if your actions could be construed as endorsing a sinful thing." I think that's where. Uh, we get into uh, the the heart of the issue here. Yeah. Uh, Ephesians chapter five verse eleven says, "And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them." And so, if my participation here lends credence to what they're doing, or lends my approval, or appears that I am I am endorsing what they're doing, then I've got to abstain. But if someone comes to me. I, I'm decorating cakes. I've just got a cake on the on the on the shelf there, and somebody says comes in and says I want to buy that cake. Do I have to quiz them on what the cake's going to be used for? Uh, is this is this cake going to go to a, a frat party where there's going to be all kinds of immorality? If so, I'm not going to sell you the cake. Or is this cake going to a same-sex wedding? Uh, I'm not endorsing. If they buy a cake for me and take it to the to the wedding, I'm not necessarily endorsing that event. I agree, and I think that, like we say, that's wherever we draw the line, we've got to be consistent in it. Like you said, we're not going to quiz these people and to find out where they're taking the cake, normally speaking. Uh, I think if some, to me, if someone came in, and if I was a cake shop like that, and somebody came in wanting a cake and wanted a wedding cake, 
I might have to make it clear, maybe even post a sign. I'm only going to make wedding cakes with the little figurine of the man and woman. I'm not going to do a man and a man. This is a wedding to me, and this is the only kind I'm going to do. Right. And And if you want one of them, I'll sell you all of them I can make. And if you don't want one of them, I'm sorry. I don't care what your professed sexual orientation is. Don't tell me because I don't want to know, but this is the only kind of cake I sell. All right. Angie in the chat room uh, she takes a different view, and I think I agree with her as well. She says, I, ref- I would refuse to cater an event endorsing this event, this marriage, and mm-hmm. I would do that as well. I think I think catering crosses that line. When I'm going to the the event and I'm trying to put on, uh, you know, uh, a hospitality there for, for this. that Trying to aids, make this a smooth thing for them. I'm, I'm trying, trying to, to help them. I'm trying to aid them. I'm trying to make it a, a good party for them, a, a good celebration of this. I, I agree with Angie. I couldn't do that. I think that's crossing the line. And uh, and so uh, we've got some principles there to guide us. My dad as well is in the chat room again with a comment. I would suggest this passage to support the idea that if they are trying me to see if I will condone their actions, then I should not. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 26 through 29. If any of them that believe you, or that believe not, bid you to a feast, and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered to sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it. And so again, so if the, and and these uh, those in this movement are quite belligerent and forceful. They are staging these types of things to test the waters and mm-hmm. to, to push the envelope. And so they come to you and say, you've got the cake on the shelf, and they say, sell me that cake for my same-sex marriage. Perhaps the best thing to do is say, no, I'm not going to because of, well, it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 27 through 29, for their conscience sake, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, w- I was thinking about this earlier, um, and, and it does seem that the law took this into account, uh, but for the preachers, in, in many cases, performing, or I would even be concerned about people who had venues, um, that they were would have to be um, in danger of condoning this. Yeah, um, right. It seems like the preachers are okay, you know, certain, you know, if they want to have it at, the ch- at a church, that, that would be okay as well. Um, but again, uh, as we've been saying, and also um, Romans 1 verse 32 states the same thing, um, that um, we can't give an approval of, of what they're doing. Yeah. Okay, lots of good comments here in the chat room as well to pick up here. Guest 4175 says, I am following your comments, and I realize that you might do business with those whom you don't agree with morally. You must then go out of the world, is quoted. But the question is perhaps, as a photographer, would I photo- photograph a homosexual marriage? or a drunken New Orleans sex party. We should not assume because we are in and among the world that we cannot draw a line at some point. Does my contribution make it appear as if I approve or place me in a compromising situation? I agree with those comments. Oh, yes, I, I think that's what we were trying to make. We may have not made it clear, but I think I made that statement. But just to be clear, I do agree with that. I, I mean, I agree that we have to um, make a stand on certain issues. Right, so. right. Mark asked the question, what if uh, the cake is for a divorced person and they shouldn't be marrying? Scripturally, that is. Agree. Again, Mark, if if, if what I'm doing, if, if my interaction with them is construed as endorsing this unscriptural marriage, I'm not going to have any part of that. If they come in and buy a cake and, um, and, and I don't know what it's going for, I don't think I necessarily have crossed any lines. Uh, let's take a break, and uh, when we get back, you know, the, the, the poor 
bakery shop owner is really, you know, that this is He's really stuck in the middle were, on this. The, the, the cake maker was in a very uh, nondescript uh, position. Nobody ever cared about the person making the cake until this issue comes along. And now they're thrust into the spotlight. And what an uncomfortable position it must be for those poor cake makers. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, uh, let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? Here's some quotes worth pondering. The most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is merely tenacity. Life isn't about getting and having. It's about giving and being. Fall seven times, stand up eight. The first question which the priest and the Levite asked was, If I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Good Samaritan reversed the question. He asked, If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Man, wish I'd said that. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program, and I appreciate you joining us as we talk about religious freedom and persecution. Is it coming in America? Is uh, Are we to expect increased persecution? Uh, are we losing some of our religious freedom? Let us know your thoughts. We're asking the question, and it's generated quite a bit of discussion. Where do you draw the line? When uh, you with serving uh, those who are we disagree with specifically in the homosexual community, could you bake a cake for a, a same-sex marriage? Could you cater an event? Travis uh, is in the chat room. He spawned the discussion on that to this week with a question about that, and uh, he and I had a few back and forth on it, and we both basically were on the same page on that. And he's uh, sending some comments in the chat room as well. Um, Guest one fifty one says. Uh, whatever it is or how it is called, sin is sin. Amen to that, 151. Sin is sin. And we're not saying in any way should we, and that's, that's the point we're making. There's nothing we do should endorse the sin. Nothing we should do, do should say that sin is okay. I agree with what you're doing. I think it's okay what you're doing. Uh, or even I'm going to tolerate what you're doing. We, we don't want to give that impression. We must, but we're saying, where do you draw that line? And maybe it's not. Uh, you know, it's maybe maybe it's okay to sell a cake if you don't know where it's going, and so forth. Guess twenty five thirty nine. What about Romans fourteen twenty three? If it bothers you and you serve uh, them, uh, then that, uh, that is sin in this case. Absolutely twenty five thirty nine. Again, if I if, if if it bothers me, then I should not do it. If it's a, if, it, if 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 I can't do it with a clean conscience, I must not do it. Uh, and then uh, Travis in the chat room. Who's, who asked the question initially, he says, when someone goes into a store, it's different than the store going to an event. I agree with that. So so if someone buys the cake, I don't know where it's going, then I don't think I necessarily have violated any principles. But if they say, come to my wedding and help serve the cake, then I've got a problem there, Monty. And see, that's a, a, that's a good point. Because I know a, a wedding that took place a while back that I would not go to. It was with a family member. I knew that it was an unscriptural wedding. The person, at least on my family member's side, had no right to marry this person. Right. So I wouldn't go. Didn't attend. 
Uh, someone tried to suggest it. Here's the pictures on Facebook. I said, I don't want to see them. Yeah, and because that was, that was a I, difficult decision for you to make. That, that was a difficult yeah, decision. Yeah, it was. But it was the right, I feel like it, it was, was the right decision. It was the only way I could go because I was not going to do anything to intentionally endorse this and to make it seem like I was okay with this person going into an adulterous marriage. You were going to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather approve them. Ephesians right. 5.11. And that's what we're saying. And that's what I had here. to do. Yeah. And so to me, well, one way of looking at it, several years ago, I was trying to think of some business endeavor I could get into to, to make more money. And I thought, well, videos are real popular. I'll open a video store. Well, I can't run a video store because well, even the Disney movies sometimes aren't fit to watch anymore. So any to be successful as a video store owner, you're going to have to rent out uh, R-rated movies and all sorts of PG-13 movies. It's got all sorts of things condoned in it that a Christian can't condone well i can't be the type of person that profiting from that and and be acceptable to god so i can't run a video store so it may be that the way this society our society and the way things are going it might be i can't run a bakery either except for making donuts or something like that yeah i I may have to get out of a certain line of business because i can't do it with the way the laws are structured apparently in indiana now and be and, and maintain my status with god yeah uh, Jeff, you were talking during the break about uh, different venues. I think uh, we've talked about that uh, or thought about that. You know, there's a lot of money to be made in, in having venues for weddings. Uh, Monty, uh, you, when you move out to the country, you've got a nice pretty pasture there. You could put your little stage out there. People might want to get married overlooking your pretty mm-hmm. field. You'd have the problem of people who are want to come there who have no right being married. They are, they're not eligible for marriage. They've, uh, it would be an unscriptural marriage for them to be married, whether it's the same sex or whether they've been divorced in the past for unscriptural reasons. And God says that those people should, don't have a right to remarry. Uh, Jeff, I'm, I'm going to have to, as you mentioned, Monty, maybe not go into that business because of the compromising position it would put me in. Well, we, we also run a danger that um, maybe even unknowingly, we, you know, we don't know all the details regarding um, if these people are married, uh, let, let's even say that, you know, that they're not able to be remarried because they've had a previous divorce or something like that for unscriptural reasons. Um, if that if that happens, I mean, we may not know about it and we may be about, you know, condoning it. So as, as you're saying, it might be the best just not to go into it. All right. So. Absolutely. Uh, Travis uh, is in the chat room. Different Travis. What you what is uh, what is it you whether you sell a uh, what if you sell a gun and they murder someone sin is sin so they sell a cake for a homosexual wedding this is a tricky topic okay again there's got to be some level of of interaction here I think is the, is going to be the determining factor uh, and uh, my dad is in the chat room with another comment selling a cake to an unscripturally divorced person may make no statement as to my view on their actions on the other hand as a preacher I'm not going to conduct the ceremony for them. Because I think it would obviously indicate that I support what they are doing. It's an area of judgment. In such cases, I think we ought to err on the side of being safe and certain. So thank you for those comments tonight. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567 is the phone number to use. That line is open. Lots of uh, good comments tonight. And the best way for your voice to be heard is to literally let it be heard and give us a call on the toll-free line tonight. Send your emails to questions at collegeview. Dot com and we can field them there. We got a response from uh, Ramona 
in uh, Texas, if I can find Ramona's email. Oh, I've lost it. It didn't make it off of the printer. There it is. It's over It's over there. My, uh, my runner didn't get it to me in time here tonight, and so we'll catch her comments uh, later on. What about uh, persecution? We asked the question uh, earlier to, uh, to our li- update list, and my computer is totally locked up, so we're going to be flying blind. We asked earlier today, what about persecution? Monty, is it unreasonable for me to expect that I'm going to be persecuted for my beliefs? Is it, is it, I mean, is it, should I feel that America has let me down if I'm persecuted for my beliefs? Well, it might be a fair statement to say that America has let me down if I'm persecuted in relation to these type of things because, you know, that might be a fair statement. But it's not unreasonable to me, for me to expect that I'm going to be persecuted. Okay. Uh, Jesus said they they persecuted him, and he was a he was our Lord and Master and, and the only perfect man to ever walk this earth. If they're going to persecute him, surely if I'm following him faithfully, they're going to persecute me. That's what Jesus said. I shouldn't expect to be treated any better than he was. All right. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning of verse 32, tells me that it has happened throughout time, and it tells me to the extent that it's happened, and it's quite shocking. Notice Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Wow. You read that description of what people have suffered in the past. It's reasonable to expect that today, in 2015, that I might have to suffer a little persecution. has been going on for a long time. You know, up until recently, we would have thought maybe that uh, the extent of the persecution that would be taking place in this country might have been uh, a trial of cruel mockings. You know, yeah. people make fun of us for being a Christian yeah, and yeah. trying to a serve playground, God. Playground uh, mockery. There, you know, yeah. that that kind of thing has happened. I'm sure that we've all uh, been the on the benefiting end or the receiving end uh, of that type of thing yeah. because we're of our stand for trying to serve Christ. Right. Uh, but as things go are in the world today, I mean, it's not unusual for us to hear about how some terrorist in a foreign country has taken someone that's supposed to be a Christian and taken a knife and cut their head off. Or, or, or things like that. So that seems to be headed this way. Uh, we think, oh, no, it'll never happen here. Well, we shouldn't be so naive as to think that. Okay. Uh, it happened in the past, as it was mentioned here in Hebrews 11. Uh, it happened in the Old Testament. We know that Christians were tortured and persecuted and killed in the New Testament times. Uh, that was 2,000 years ago, but there's no reason to believe it's not going that cycle's not going to repeat itself in our lifetime. Okay. Uh, Jeff, you had a thought? Okay. All right. Not at this time. Okay. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567. Questions at college.com. Again, yeah, money. You're right. There's nothing uh, that says that we should not expect to be persecuted today. Um, it's happened throughout time. Do a quick Google search on persecution of the early church. 
find out how they were used, uh, tied to a pole and lit for torches, crucified upside down, uh, thrown to wild beasts, etc. It's happened throughout time. It happened in the Old Testament. It happened in the early church. And it's been predicted that it'll happen for us today. Uh, it was hap- It was predicted for the first century church. Look at uh, Luke 21, verse 12. Jesus said, But before all these, they shall lay hands on you and persecute you, and delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And in John chapter 16, verse 2, Jesus foretold, They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. They would think that they're doing right, that they're being religious, that they're serving God by persecuting Christians. Jesus foretold that. We see it happening. I think one example of that would be Apostle Paul as he's persecuting the Christians. He's doing it in good conscience. He thinks he's doing what God wants him to do. I think we can get into that a little bit later in one of the topics. Okay. Okay. All right. So it's happened throughout time. It's only reasonable uh, that it would happen to us. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, uh, the Christians were told, Fear not those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. They were going to go through some terrible, difficult times, and yet uh, they're told to be faithful unto death. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And, uh, Jacob, uh, it looks like uh, your dad made Second uh, Timothy 3, verse 12. Um, it says, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Yeah. I think that's a very blanket statement. That it's, it's hard for us to misunderstand. We're going to be persecuted if we're trying to live godly. All right. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. We have been. It was foretold that it would happen in the first century, and it happened. And we're, it we're told that it will happen to us today, as, as you mentioned, uh, Jeff. And so we need to talk about that. Let us know your thoughts. We can go back and can, and continue to discuss, would you sell the cake to the same-sex couple for their wedding? Would you cater their wedding? What, where do you draw that line? And should we suffer, per, uh, expect persecution? How do we prepare for that persecution? And are there any benefits that come, can come from that? We want to get to all that before the program is over tonight. We've got a long way to go. We'll look forward to talking with you when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The Verse of Bible Study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. What should we say about a situation where a person desires to obey the gospel, but they've been divorced for an unscriptural reason and now are remarried? There's been lots of controversy on this subject, but it's clear that the basic concept of repentance necessitates a severance of the unscriptural marriage. Without this, the adultery continues and forgiveness is impossible. Some brethren have gone to great lengths in attempts to justify the unscripturally divorced and remarried couple remaining together. Very often an emotional appeal of this nature is made. Quote, I just can't believe that God would require such a difficult thing. Or, quote, how could a loving God demand it? Or, quote, what about the children? These questions can be easily answered by referring to an historical situation that developed in the days following the return of the Jews from Babylonian captivity. They violated the law of God by intermarrying with people from other nations. What were they instructed to do to resolve this sinful situation? They were told, separate from those mates. Notice Ezra 10, beginning verse 10. Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, Ye have transgressed and have taken strange wives to increase the trespass of Israel. Now therefore, make confession to the Lord God of your fathers and do his pleasure and separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. 
The difficulty of this action was compounded by the fact that children had been born to many of those unions, Ezra 10, verse 44. But God's will was clear, and his faithful people saw that it was taught and obeyed. Will we do the same? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we welcome you back to the program. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And you can podcast programs, uh, this program there. You can podcast sermons that have presented, been presented to the College of Church of Christ. Find out more about us, the virtual Bible study. Dot com. We're talking about religious freedom and persecution on the program tonight. Still a lot of chatter in the chat room about this idea of where do you draw the line in providing services to uh, the homosexuals, the same-sex marriages. Uh, Travis in the chat room says there's a gay woman out in California that gave money to the GoFundMe for the Indiana pizza place that was shut down because yeah. of the outrage. She did it. So, again, this is a someone who would support same-sex marriage, but she gave money, she donated money to the pizza place because she said she wouldn't want to cater an anti-gay rally. So she sees the inconsistency yeah. there. All right, so of being forced to do something you disagree with, mm-hmm. she wouldn't want to be put in that position herself. Angie says, catering event seems to me to involve much more of an in- investment and endorsement than merely selling a cake to someone who comes into a bakery. I agree with that, Angie, and I, I would not cater the event either. And Arthur in the chat room sends in a couple passages. Monty, I'll let you get Romans 14, 22, and 23. Uh, he also cites Second uh, John verses 9 through 11. Second John verses uh, 9 through 11 say, uh, Whosoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. So Arthur says we've got to keep some separation between those who are teaching and promoting error, and uh, we certainly need to be careful about that. Romans 14, 23. Uh, 14, 22, and 23, yep. or just 23? Both of those. Okay. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. Again. Go ahead. So I think we could say from that passage, uh, Kind of one of these don't ask things, like Paul was talking about the meats offered to idols. If you're going to eat, go to somebody's house, don't ask where the meat come from, and then you don't know and it doesn't affect your conscience. Like we was talking about, we could sell a cake to anybody. 
But then when they do say, well, this is going to be a cake for a homosexual wedding, we might have to draw the line. And uh, it talks about in, in, in Romans fourteen twenty three, whatever is not a faith of sin. If I can't in good conscience win, lose, or draw, if I can't sell this cake or provide whatever this service might be in good conscience to whoever it is, then I can't do it because, for me, it would be a sin. Right, absolutely. Thank you for those comments. Uh, Arthur Travis says, I saw on the news a guy called a place to make cake, that makes cakes. He wanted them to make a cake that said, I do not support homosexual marriage, and they would not make that for him. So you've got to make the cake that says, I support it, but you don't have to make the one that says, I do not support it. And so there is uh, a double standard there. Thank you for that, Travis. Guess 4195, I'm afraid that too many of us think of persecution with dread and fear. Uh, and uh, 4175 references Matthew chapter 13, verse 21. Matthew 13, 21. Jeff, if you want to get there uh, to that, uh, Matthew 13, 21. Um, you got it, Jeff? Butchery. I'm sorry. Here we go. Yet he, yet he who no firm, yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporarily. And when affliction or persecution arise because of the world, immediately he falls away. All right, this is the parable of the sower, the, the, the seed that fell on the stony ground, who grows up. And then this persecution, this fear of the consequences, gets in the way and he falls away. And so guess 4175 references that, says uh, that uh, too many of us are looking at persecution with dread and fear. However, Scripture seems to say that we will be blessed if we are persecuted. And the reference uh, there that the listener makes is Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12, uh, the familiar passage uh, from uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Monty, I think you've got that there, Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is reward in heaven. Or so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And uh, the listener goes on, persecuted is listed among the positive things a Christian will receive. Mark chapter 10, verse 30. Who shall, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life? Perhaps we should rejoice if we are persecuted. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Uh, uh, Jeff, you're turning frantically to 2 Timothy, I see. Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 17. Uh, says, uh, and, and if children, then heirs, and heirs with God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be, uh, also be glorified together. And so there is a connection with blessings and persecutions. Uh, and so the listener suggests, don't dread these things. And, and instead, be thankful uh, for the blessings that the persecutions will bring. And then Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. It says, if we endure, we will also reign with him, if we deny him, he also will deny us. All right. And so uh, if we suffer tribulations and persecutions, we will be blessed eternally, and even in this life, I believe, uh, for those. And so we appreciate those comments from the listener. The chat room now, I think, is up to date, so send in your comments there. 877-381-4567 also is open. Questions at collegeview.com. Uh, we uh, ask the question uh uh, and again, we've talked about the fact that uh, persecution has been promised from us, John 15, 18 through 20, uh, and 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, promise us that we will suffer persecutions. 
Monty? You know, when you think about it, it talks about the persecutions and we'd be blessed if we're persecuted and things like that as we're just reading these passages. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, it says not to fear them or not to dread them. And we have to ask ourselves, how, how is it that we can go through these difficulties, maybe severe physical difficulties, and, and how, how is that good for us? Well, if we think about it, I've had to have surgery before. And surgery wasn't fun. I didn't enjoy the poking and prodding from the needles. I didn't enjoy the getting cut open. I didn't enjoy the getting sewed back up. I didn't enjoy the discomfort that came with the healing process. But I knew that I would be better off because what was in me had to come out. Yeah. Uh, when we get injured, maybe we have to go to get a bone fixed because we broke a bone, and we go to the doctor for that. Well, the doctor's going to hurt us some, yeah. and we understand that, but we also understand that on the other side of it, the benefit is going to be greater for us because we're going to be repaired, we're going to be healthy again. And so when we look at these persecutions, no, they're not going to be fun. Uh, I don't read of anybody that was ever persecuted, and all the persecutions Paul mentioned that he went through and the difficulties and hardships he went through, he never said or implied that it was a grand fun time. I wish I could have some more. Give me some more. But he did say that just like going through the difficulties through surgery or or being repaired from some injury or whatnot, it's difficult for right now, but the reward is great for it. And so we got to weigh the cost against the reward. If somebody beats me and cuts me and abuses me and ultimately kills me for my faith in Jesus, if I can do like Revelation 2.10 says and remain faithful to death, the benefit on the other side, the reward in eternity as we're talking about, is far and away worth it. And that's what the Apostle Paul said. He counted all this as refuge. refuse. It, it didn't mean anything to him, all the sufferings he went through, because he knew what the reward was going to be in heaven and that it was definitely going to be worth it. 877-381-4567. I have uh, two comments here. Um, one, um, further on in uh, the context of Romans 8, um, I believe it's uh, verse 35, it says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ Jesus? Will tribulations or distress or persecutions or famine or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? So nothing is going to separate us from the love of Jesus. Um, I know there's been a lot of wrong teaching about this passage, but... In persecution, we have the love of Jesus to help see us through that. Okay. And um, as well, <clears throat> we do see some people rejoicing. And um, in Acts chapter 50, verses 40 and 41, it says, They took his advice, and after cl- and calling the apostles, and they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Okay, and so they were thankful and rejoicing and uh, certainly uh, shows the attitude that they had as well. Again, it's been pro- promised that it will be this way. And back to John 8, 15, 18 to 20, Jesus said, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they've persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they've kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Jesus came to this world. If they, and we're followers of Jesus, if they, if Jesus acted toward the world in such a way that they wanted to crucify him, why are we to think that if we're following him and acting the same way towards the world, that everything's going to be rosy, they're going to love us? If we're following Jesus, we'll get the same reaction from the world that Jesus got. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter uh, 2, verse 21, Peter says, For here too were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. 
we're not going to be able to escape this. If we're living like Christ did, with respect to the world, the world's going to hate us. It's just it's by default. There's nothing we can do to avoid that. You know, and if they ha- if if I can be put in that same category, Jesus, and I think that's what these scriptures are alluding to. If I can follow Jesus and be put in that ca- same category that I'm hated by the world, what more can I ask for than than to, than to serve as my Master did? Amen. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. In uh, in the verse just previous to the one you said, Jacob, uh, Mister Mister Arthur uh, puts in the chat room here, First uh, Peter. Um, Chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, he does the two verses prior, and he says, For this finds favor, if for the a sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it uh, with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. All right. And I've been, my chat room has been locked up and everybody was quiet, but they were all still chatting and now I've refreshed and I see those comments. We'll get them on the other side of the break. Two more things we want to talk about quickly and we'll have to hurry is how do we prepare for uh, persecution? How do we deal with it? And uh, are there any benefits to it? Let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. According to recent surveys, the average smartphone user checks his or her device once every six minutes. That's 150 times every waking day. That information is via churchdevelopment.com. The Word of God says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, God. We're back and going to the top of the hour, taking your comments as we talk about persecution. Religious freedom is heightened persecution headed our way. How do we prepare for that? Uh, guest 151 says our society is deteriorating because of a lack of knowledge. We are becoming a no Christ society. Amen to that. To that comment, uh, Mark says that's because Christians are withdrawing from society. And I think that partly is to blame, Mark. Uh, and it is a reminder for us that we need to be letting our light shine. Travis says, I think persecution is what we need. Look at the first century, uh, growth. Uh, it grew from persecution. Uh, and uh, certainly uh, that is true. Thank you, Travis, for that. That is one of the benefits when you talk about the church. The, the church was thriving in the first century, Monty, in the face of these persecutions. Well, that's true, and I think one of the reasons for that, I think that maybe God through his providence allowed for this persecution to take place because after the establishment of the church, they had stayed focused in Jerusalem. And, and so when this persecution came in Judea, 
the people were scattered about, and that was one of the tools God used to spread the gospel throughout the world. And so uh, if we're persecuted, if it helps us to teach the gospel to other people and promote Christ and Preach, teach Christ and Him crucified, then that persecution can be a good thing. God can use any bad event that He chooses to, and, and for a good result. It doesn't mean that God caused the person to do bad so that we could get that good result, yep. but He can make right. use of whatever people do. All right. I uh, guess twenty nine twelve says it is inevitable. There are hardships, sufferings, and persecutions that result from following Christ. That the power of Christ may dwell with me. Thank you. Twenty nine twelve. Brendan on the cake thing. He says. Uh, I think Romans 12, verse 18 would be applicable here. Where it, Whenever it is possible, that is the key word here, we should live peaceably with all, sinner and saint. But I think I'm just restating, he says, what has already been said. I uh, guess 29, uh, 12 references 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 10 says, Therefore I take pleasures, pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you for that, 29, verse 12. Paul's attitude was not that persecution would be the end of the world, that he had to avoid it at all costs, but instead he took pleasure in that. And uh, my father's back with another comment. He says, our persecution is very mild in comparison to those who've lived before us. It is easy to say we would have reacted like those other Christians, but when we seem to be unwilling to take even a strong stand that promotes or provokes ridicule from the world today, it is sure hard to believe we'd be willing to lay down our lives. You know, if we were in a room with those people who were sawn in two, who were thrown in the fiery furnace, who were thrown to the wild beast, and we're worried that America may be headed to the point where we have to maybe be placed in an uncomfortable position to stand up for what's right, Maybe we might take some type of punishment from the law. Certainly they would say, what are you guys worried about? Up to this point, for us, persecution really has mounted, when you get right down to it, no more than an inconvenience. And so just like like you say, the people that was thrown to the lions, Daniel was thrown to the lions, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was thrown in a fiery furnace, and other people was killed in various and assorted ways for their for their faith and faithful service to God. And those people would look back at us and say, look, guys, this inconvenience ain't nothing. Try getting sawed in two. Yeah. You know, so we really, up to this point, at least in our history, our persecution has been so mild as to be laughable, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Angie says, what is the, perp- uh, the point of being lukewarm? We need to stand for something. Focusing on what the world may do uh, to us is fear. Absolutely, Angie. We've got to be willing to take the stand Quit being lukewarm. Quit being uh, shame and, and being cowards. Stand up for what we believe, and let uh, things happen where they uh, how they happen. Let the things happen where they will. If persecution comes, then so be it. We're standing up for what's right. Uh, James in chapter one says, "Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing." So uh, we can see that when we're facing trials, uh, when trials happen, it it may not it may not it, it's not going to be the best situation, but it does help us grow spiritually. Okay, and it's going to force us to be uh, better Christians. All right, good. We asked the question, uh, and we quickly need to get to it, Brendan. Before we do, a good example of a second-century Christian making the most of a persecution would be Polycarp, I believe. 
he was writing letters of encouragement to other Christians as he was being led away to his own death. Thank you for that, Brendan. We asked the question, how do you prepare for persecutions, Monty? Kyle, uh, who is in Prim Springs, Tennessee, thank you, Kyle, for joining us tonight and for your comments. Because there are self-identified Christians that have begun to cater to these individuals who feel persecuted or who feel uh, persecuted, it requires that those uh, who abide to, uh, to the scriptures to endure even more intense pressure to change. But uh, we're instructed in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, not to be conformed to this world. That challenge will become greater as these groups garner more support from not only political parties trying to win votes, but our own brethren that give in to them. Uh, but I know the Bible tells us to expect persecution, as we're told in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, Pray for those that do persecute you in Matthew, as in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, and those that are righteous and persecuted will be blessed, as in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Excellent points from Kyle. Thank you for those tonight. Be reminded that it's coming. Be reminded of the blessings that are uh, also associated with that is uh, Kyle's admonition for us tonight. You know, I think one of the ways that we can help prepare ourselves for the persecutions when they come is to realize when we realize that they are going to come because there's sometimes circumstances rise in our life and we're not ready for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, tire blows out on the car and I don't have a spare. I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't right. prepared right. for that. But knowing that the persecutions have come, we can go ahead now and start stealing our mind and preparing our mind to say, okay, I will stand with the God's help. I will stand and I will endure this persecution. I won't give in. And so just the fact that we know that they're going to come is one thing is a, is really the first step in preparing for them because you can't prepare for things that you're not aware of. So just like we know that eventually we're going to have a flat tire, we've got a spare tire in the truck. We know persecutions are going to come, so we're preparing our minds to, to to deal with this when it happens. And we've got to stay in the Word. We've got to know God's Word. We've got to be studying His Word. In second, in First Peter chapter three verses fourteen and fifteen, in a passage talking about the uh, suffering that we'd have to do. Uh, verse 14 of 1 Peter 3. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. How do you prepare? You realize that it's coming. You realize that it's, that it's uh, a blessing for you. You're blessed if you suffer for righteousness sake. Number three. You, you sanctify the Lord in your heart. You remember who you're serving, Monty. Don't forget you're serving the creator of this world and his son who died for your sins. Remember that. Sanctify him in your heart and be ready to give a reason of the hope. Be ready to, as you're standing up for right, explain why you are. Explain that hope that you have uh, uh, to everyone who may ask. Uh, and you have the, uh, that's one of the other blessings that comes from it. You'll have the opportunity to share your faith with others as a result of this persecution. We're you know, when we think about them. it, Paul would have never got the opportunity possibly to, to convert some people in Caesar's household, as he says he did, if it wasn't for the persecution that he endured in Jerusalem, that he wound up getting arrested, imprisoned, had to appeal to Caesar. Basically, he got free room and board all the way to Rome in order to do that. He got a guaranteed trip there because the, the Roman soldiers was making sure that he got there. And because of that, he got to preach to people that he never would have probably Absolutely. ever met and got to speak to before. Absolutely. So if persecutions come our way, and we do this passage you just read to us, we've sanctified the Lord God in our heart. We're prepared to tell people why we're willing to go through this persecution. They may be somebody that will convert, 
because we're going through persecutions and enduring them properly. All right. And that makes it worth it. Absolutely. Verse 16 goes on and gives us one more thing to do to prepare. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, they who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. You got to have a good conscience. Jeff, if I'm not living right, I'm going to fear persecution because that might mean that I'll have to, to face uh, my master in the day of judgment unprepared if I don't have that clean conscience. Live like you should, and you don't have anything to fear in that persecution. In, uh, in verse 18, it says, remember the example of Christ. Um, so um, remember what Christ has done and what he did. And uh, we're supposed to be uh, followers of Christ. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, we've stated the verse a couple of times, the world hated me before it hated you. Mm-hmm. So don't take offense to that is basically what it's saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't take offense when people hate you because they hated me. Right. And, and you know, referring to Jesus there. Yep. So, um, again, we shouldn't be shocked, but we should follow Jesus' example that he set. Right Ramona uh, from Texas has commented tonight on some things to remember that can help us prepare for persecution. At Caesarea Philippi, she says, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 and following, Christ promised to build his church. In connection therewith, he pledged the gates of Hades would not prevail against it. Verse 18, the expression shall not prevail against may signify not uh prevent its establishment nor or ever demolish it it both may be included remember the promise that the church would never be depopulated by the death of all its members uh and so the devil will not be successful in squelching uh christianity and and we may have to suffer the ultimate price but uh, the cause of christ will prevail in the world today you know if we look at it one way of looking at it is if they kill me for being a christian I just get a jump start on eternity. There you go. I get I get to go to paradise. I get, to, in effect, to go to heaven and be with Jesus just that much sooner. I don't have to stay here extra time. And Paul talked about that toward the end of his life. He said he was ready to die for Christ, that it was better if he stayed alive and on the earth because he could preach and help the, the Christians here, but it would be better for him personally to go ahead and die with, and be with Jesus. Yep. And that's really the, the, the attitude we need to have is if I'm alive, I'm going to stay here and serve Jesus, but if I can go ahead and die, I can go be with Jesus. And in Philippians chapter mm-hmm. 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul said that others were being bold, emboldened by the sufferings that he was going through. Yeah. Uh, and, Monty, uh we can have a positive influence on the world in our persecutions, but we can also have a very important and positive influence on Christians to encourage them in their faithfulness to the Lord. And that's a benefit that we need to look forward to. And that's an obligation we have is to help others when we can. And if by just being faithful and enduring persecutions in a proper manner helps someone else, then that's my privilege to be able to do it. All right. Guest 2912 says we need to stand up for the sanctity of Christian marriage that Jesus gave us in today's increasing culture of death. Marriage that is a lifelong covenant between a man and a woman centered around raising children. That is what marriage is and always has been. We need to stand up uh, to those who are trying to redefine it. Hey, the redefinition of marriage has been happening long before now. Uh, Monty started many years ago when we began to... Uh, to disavow God's instructions about heterosexual marriage, yeah. that it was intended to be for life. When we said, ah, you know, I don't think we really have to interpret it that way. I don't think that's really what God wants. I don't think, I think God would just want me to be happy. When we started doing that, we paved the way for where we are today. That was a stepping stone. That was a stepping stone. Jeff? Uh, real quick, I want to point out something. You know, we always use the, we always use an example that, uh, persecution um, is, you know, 
seeing persecution is a real inspiration of the scriptures, and it helps our confidence in our faith. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, j- j- just a thought here. I was wondering if maybe the same thing had happened to Paul. Um, when he's recounting in uh, Acts 26, verse 14, he, it, and, uh, and Jesus says, response, some additional information is given there. It says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against uh, the goats or um, something that would prod us or is sticking at us. So maybe it's something that's even stood out to Paul, and it's something that made him and eventually uh, Jesus come and see the potential in Paul. Okay. Saul, who later became Guest 151 says, all of the current static in our society is only the obvious. Beware of the unseen. And my father says, as our society becomes more secular and ungodly, we can expect to stand out more and therefore draw more potential persecution. We have to be ready to accept that reality. We do. I'll tell you this. Light shines better than a, in a dark place than it does in a bright place. Right. And, and so as we may attract more persecution, we may have more opportunity to influence those. You know, a flashlight out in the middle of a bright noontime day is not noticeable. Yeah. And it's a very little benefit to me. But a flashlight in the middle of a dark place in the night is a great benefit to yeah. me. So as our, like you said, as our world darkens spiritually, we as the light of the world can have more, be of more benefit. Now let's conclude with uh, the Beatitudes again, Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. This is a good place to wrap this up tonight. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Persecution is our promise in this world that we live in. What form that takes and what and how extreme that is is to be seen. But as we encounter that persecution and face it, we need to rejoice. Know that we're in good company. We're with all those who have suffered persecution throughout the ages, and great will be our reward in heaven. Uh, we should be uh, take comfort in that and not shy away from persecution, but instead accept it. It is our lot in life, and be thankful for the blessings that it can bring. You know, Jesus said he'll reward us for it. He'll make it worthwhile. So we just accept that he's told us the truth, and then we'll go and endure. All right, we'll close it there and uh, wrap it up. Uh, Jeff, thank you for taking time to be here for your preparation. Appreciate your, your, your work tonight. You have- I agree. We can rejoice that we can have persecution, but as well, um, it helps the church grow, so it can be a good thing. It can be. All right, good. Monty, thank you for taking time to be here. Thank you, Jacob, for the opportunity. And Caleb, behind the boards, uh, nearly flawless execution for the first time. Thank you, Caleb, for taking time uh, out of your schedule to be here. Thank you. Appreciate your help tonight. Thank you for joining us. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word, and we hope that you'll make plans to be back here this time next week. For another edition of the Virtual Bible Study, in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, 
College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.